there, Re welcome to the Retro Breakdown. I'm Time Wanderer, and Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes might be the best Musou game of all time. Oh my god, I've been waiting for you to play it for like a year. That game... It's so much fun. It is... It, like, despite ultimately just being a Musou game, doing Musou game things, it is so much more like the story is there the depth is there the character customization is there they're, they're able to bring in fire emblem mechanics and somehow still make them work in a in a in a muso setting it's it's absurd how good it is yeah yeah that's it's the my favorite muso game i've ever played easily like i i can't and I even like Fire Emblem that much. <laughs> yeah, fair. Honestly. <laughs> like, okay, so since we last recorded, I finished Fire Emblem Engage. Don't even want to talk about it. Yeah, it's I'm not, not even. It's not even worth my time. The, the gameplay is fine. The story is went from being like kind of mid, kind of like whatever, to it's like passable. actively bad. Right. And for... After I finished it, I was like, okay, I'm free from this. Um, what else do I want to do? And it just so happened that Three Hopes was like sitting next to it because Jesse bought them both on sale at the same time. Mm -hmm. And they've been basically sitting next to each other on my uh, on my TV stand since then. So I was like, you know what? I, I've been doing, you know, RPG tactics stuff for so long. Let's, you know. For some reason, after finishing Engage and being kind of disappointed with it, I was like, what if more Fire Emblem, though? So but I just popped different. it in because I was like, hey, mindless action for a bit. And I'm thinking like, ah, you know, it's a Musou game and I'll play it for a bit and probably bounce off of it and I'll be done in, you know, a couple of hours. No, no, I have put like, I want to say close to 40 hours into that game since we last spoke. <laughs> Isn't it just awesome? Everything. It's just so much fun. It's fun to play the game. It, it's it's fast and it's snappy and you get to kill a lot of stuff and all the moves look cool. The characters, I mean, they're Fire Emblem characters, but they it still works. I don't know. It's just great. Well, one thing that really hit playing the playing uh, this right after Engage is how like significantly the writing quality just jumps up compared to Engage. Like yeah, the, no idea, the actual like character it. and story writing in this is like leagues beyond anything you get in, in Engage, <laughs> um, which is embarrassing for a Musou game. But it also just speaks to like, you know, Three Houses was good. And this is piggybacking off of that. True. Like they, yeah. they had set up a really good world with a really interesting uh, with a, a with, you know, really interesting characters and lore. And they're just using that. But they're not even like rehashing it. They're actually sort of like much like they did with age of calamity they're kind of just taking this world and you know throwing some interesting what if scenarios in there age of calamity was also incredibly fun too yeah and this is the same approach this is like i've been saying to anyone who will who will listen like if if hyrule warriors is an out an analogous to like fire emblem warriors even though hyrule warriors is like much better mm -hmm. fire emblem warriors was frankly kind of mid um like age of calamity like that step up in 
in sort of like presentation and story and the way that they're tying all of the mechanics in together is representative of what they're doing with Three Hopes. Like, it's just something as simple as like, okay, rather than just have a big menu where you can select these missions over and over, we're going to put them on a map. And the maps are going somewhere. The maps are expanding. It's actually like relevant to what you're doing in the story. So even though what you're doing in the game is by its very nature repetitive. Yeah. Like you can't get away from the fact that Muso games are repetitive. That's what they are. But I mean, that's sort of the point. So that's not even like a negative. Yeah. It, yeah, it absolutely is. But I'm just saying like it's it's one of the knocks against the the. Uh, the genre as a whole is like it gets really repetitive. Yeah. It is repetitive. The missions are repetitive. You're not doing anything significantly different from one to the next. I'm not doing anything in this that feels like super different than like mission wise. Right. Than stuff that I did in Hyrule Warriors or the first Fire Emblem Warriors or whatever. It's or it's Dynasty go to Warriors the, one. <laughs> Dynasty Warriors one. Go to the spot. Take the stronghold. Beat the beat the boss. Empty the weak point gauge. It's all there. But yeah, I don't know about you, but I had a lot of fun every mission just being like, oh, man, how can I optimize this with the party that I have? Or like, I mean, by optimize, I literally just mean making sure your party's split up doing stuff all yeah. over the map. Yeah, absolutely. That's what, like in the immortal words of Tak Fuji. If you just hit the XXX and the YYY and the XXX and the YYY again, you'll be sucked. <laughs> Any opportunity yeah. I can I can use to bring that out. Fair. No, but but seriously, like there is actually more strategy and plan. This is what I mean with like depth. <laughs> There's more strategy and planning and thinking beyond just the 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 empty button mashing that you get in most Warriors games. Like you still get that. But little things like, hey, you got to make sure you have the right person in this area who has an advantage against these characters or you have to make sure that everyone, you know, your party's kind of like split out across the map properly. So you have all the areas covered or even when you, the mission select just being on a map where you're kind of like making progress towards an objective rather than just like you think back to like the story mode in Hyrule Warriors, which granted was not even really the point of playing that game. The adventure mode was the point. Mm -hmm. um, but the legend mode was like. It was literally just like a timeline of events. Let's not talk about the Zelda timeline. I wasn't going to. Um, no worries. <laughs> um, it, it's literally just set up on a line and you just select boxes and it's like, OK, do this thing. Here's what's happening. Yeah, I mean, that's how it was in um, the Fire Emblem Warriors yeah. as well. And and uh, yeah, you're just selecting missions from a menu. Yeah, most and of the time that's what it was, if I remember correctly. In Age of Calamity and... Um, oh, Age and of Calamity kind of was like that too, though, right? Because it was... No, Age of Calamity a... takes place on a map. You actually oh, yeah, see duh, that's the, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You see I was, the top-down was... map of the area, of and you can kind of go to different areas and do the thing, and that feels different. It's conceptually the same. You're still just on a mission select screen. Well, but it was but also the, the map from Breath of the Wild, so yeah. it was even better, right? Because then it's like, if, oh, if you like that game, then you have all the connections of that, too. Yeah, but I'm saying like if it could have still had all those connections, but if it had just given you like a little thumbnail icon mm -hmm. yeah, of like have been what the good. mission looked like and then been like, now you're going to the northern part of the field to do this. It doesn't feel 
Nowhere as near much as good. like you're making consistent progress. Expanding mm-hmm. the map feels good. In Three Hopes, going to the red part of the map and doing the mission and turning it blue as you sort of continue your march towards the main objective of that chapter, even though what you're doing in those missions is relatively repetitive, it feels good. It feels like you're making progress. So it kind of drives you to want to do the next one and the next one and the next one. Whereas like you don't get that same drive from like, let me select this same mission from the from the menu again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just everything about it, just despite it still ultimately just being a Muso game, there's little bits of polish in there, like, you know, having the weapon advantages, having the battalions that you can attach to a character to give them additional weapon advantages, despite what their actual despite what their actual weapon or specialization is, is awesome. Yeah. No, I there there is so much to the and even even the dumb stuff like in the camp is fun. Yeah. Like running around talking to characters and doing the training and stuff. Like I don't know why, totally. but I liked it. And it feels like you're sort of customizing your party or whatever, the people yeah, that you, you like playing are. with and all that stuff. And I don't know you don't have to I guess the the game is fairly I mean like most most Muso games, right, where you don't have to pay attention to all the extra stuff, but it's way really fun if you want to. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I've I've started doing some really fun stuff with like customizing characters because there are clearly like much like in any Fire Emblem game, you have your, you know, you have your big tanky wall armor characters and you have your sort of fast melee characters and you have your big damage dealers and you have your mages and you have your archers and they all kind of fill a role. Right. Mm -hmm. And then there's characters who are clearly meant to develop along those lines. Yes. Yeah, you got, you know, Dorothea and Mercedes and Annette, and they're all going to their magic stats going to go up faster than anything else. But then it's like, well, you max out classes really fast and then you can just class people into whatever you want, much the way you can in three houses. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like, well, yeah, okay. so Annette is like I've made her like a sword master. So that's kind of cool, except that her strength stat is like 11. (laughs) Yeah. And her magic stat is like 35. So this kind of seems dumb. Oh, wait, I can just give her a weapon with the skill invert physical and magic stats. Yep. And now she is using her magic stat for her melee attacks and wrecking shop. And it's awesome. You can just do that. You can just do whatever. You know, they they left. They opened it up. They let they let you. You can you can play whatever characters you like and have fun with the game. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Everything works. It's it's so, so good. I don't remember. I So I finished the game. I think there's like a continuation or something. I don't know. I didn't do that. So I, I finished every the, the main game and I did all of the stuff that I could do for the most part. And then stopped. did you do so all I, three routes? No, that's what I mean is that I, I didn't okay, I didn't okay. go and do it again like as other characters. Gotcha, gotcha. I, I played it for like 40 hours, I want to say, and did all the main quests and some side quest stuff and then. I was I was satisfied at that point, but I could easily see it being one of those, you know, let's just try again. Let's do another route. Let's do a different adventure. I'm I'm playing on hard and S ranking every mission. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. I don't know if I'm going to continue doing that because like I am me. And as much as I'm enjoying this, I am, you know, at 35, 40 hours, I am approximately 35 to 40 percent of my way through 
the point where most games are fun for me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I really at this point, I'm having so much fun with it that I do fully and legitimately intend to, like, finish this route and do the other ones. Like, I want, I-, I want all of this game. That is how I felt when I first started. And then I was like, well, okay, I'm good. But yeah, th- I, I know exactly the feeling that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not guaranteeing that I'll go through with it because I also was like, I'm going to get every character up to level maximum. I was going to say 100. I don't think in Hyrule Warriors, I don't even think 100 is the maximum. Yeah, I don't remember. That was a game that I actually didn't play that much, oddly enough, as much as I love Zelda and everything that comes with that. I I. Uh, the first Hyrule Warriors on Wii U is probably the single Warriors game. No, I'm not even going to say probably. It's definitely the Warriors game that I played the most. Jesse and I actually played the two player version of that. Yeah. Where one of us was playing on the gamepad screen and one of us was playing on the on the TV screen. Yeah. And did like a good chunk of that game like in in uh, in two player like that. <laughs> That's cool. Which we might do like we haven't played uh, this um, Three Hopes has split screen and I've told her that it has split screen. So like we might dabble in that at some point. We haven't yet. So I can't say whether it's good. I will say that I imagine it will um, it will be a severe dip in quality as the frame rate kind of crashes because the, the, the poor little switch, all of them do that. But in one player mode, considering how much is going on, I'm kind of surprised how little that happens. Yeah. Now, I'm not the person to look to for commentary on frame rates and and such. So yeah, I imagine this is probably that. running at a an unsteady 30, but I don't really notice. I think it looks fine. Yeah, I mean, I had fun playing this in Hyrule uh, Age of Calamity and both of those definitely have. I, I'm sure if you're like a frame rate purist, you're going to be like, well, come on. Yeah. But for me, it was eh, everything was fun. I liked playing the video game. That's all I really care about. When I when I really see it is when you get it, you kind of turn a corner and there's just a lot going on and then you start actually getting the stutters. Sure. And then That's- it's like, ooh boy. So like as long as it's not doing that, I'm pretty fine. Yeah, yeah, that's that's I think that's a reasonable way to think about it, right? Because if the game's actively stuttering, then you can't help but notice that. Right, right. So anyway, that's what I've been doing with the last week and a half. What are you up to? Uh, hunting in the mountains, killing bears. Amazing. And uh, and deer. And the 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 I, I have found that the bears mm-hmm. will sometimes or like the AI or something, however, it spawns in enemies. Mm-hmm. It just glitches. And occasionally I'll kill a bear and then like four bears will come running off screen and just like teleport next to me. I'll be like, oh, <laughs> OK. And there's now four bears in this in this area that I'm supposed to murder. And it's it's been um, it's been great there. The, I've never it? been I've never been more rich in a Yakuza game. <laughs> like, that's not true because Yakuza zero You played zero and you like you hit one guy and you're more rich than you are in most in <laughs> most Yakuza games just because that's how it goes. No, it, it's it's not it's not really that much money, but it's it's over, you know, a million and a half or two million. Yen. So suffice to say, you're doing more hunting in Yakuza 5 than the game requires of you. 
Yeah, so so the game didn't really require you to do that much. No, like it's you had to like do, you had to do like three missions or four missions or something. And yeah. there were like missions where you just walk there and take your gun out, and then then they're like, "Okay, you finished. Go back in town." Yeah, that honestly was too much for me. Yeah, that, well, because I'm guessing you didn't do his all of his side quest stuff. No, like no, I left it. that area as soon as I could. Yeah, no, it didn't bother me. I I, I had fun. I'm was having fun with it. Now I'm I'm pretty good. I got to do all the side quest stuff and help some old man get a boner because you know it's a Yakuza game. Yep. He, he with with his with his deer antlers. That's what you do. Yep. Uh, of course. And there was there was none of the none of the quests were really that exciting as like you know Yakuza side quests go. Mm-hmm. They're fun, but it's it's not. They're not like you know super funny or memorable or anything. Um, but the. But I don't know. There's something kind of enjoyable about doing the the side. I don't. I think anytime I play a Yakuza game, it's my favorite Yakuza game, for the most part. Yeah, that's fair. Because they're all just fun in their own way. Yeah, they don't always like stack up the same way against each other. When you're looking at them from a distance, then you can kind of like start to you kind of start to see a ranking clear yeah. up. But like, yeah. So let me rewind a bit. If you're sure. into Saijima section of uh, Yakuza 5, then that means you finished Kiryu's section. How about that last section of <laughs> Kiryu's story in Yakuza 5 on the on the pier? Yeah, where, where you just casually uh, you, you truly you truly embrace anime. Yeah. When yeah, <laughs> no, th- that's the moment where Kiryu like actually he's not just like a tough Yakuza guy who wins a lot of fights. He's now Goku. Uh huh. Yeah, he's <laughs> and and he, he he even like, you know, uh, gets to do his his classic. I'm just proving a point. OK, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, just here like to make for everyone no reason. <laughs> I'm just I'm, I'm just here to help. <laughs> like we make jokes about how Kiryu's whole thing, all of his storylines are about just going up and beating up a multi-thousand person criminal empire single-handedly with his own two fists. And then, like, you get to the end of his bit in five and it's like, no, he's just literally doing that. Like, it's not a joke anymore. They brought the whole gang (laughs) all at once. And they even had... with rocket launchers. Well... Yeah, but he just sidestepped those. <laughs> Honestly, rocket launchers are a terrible, terrible anti-personnel choice. I mean, if you're fighting a tank, you might need something to kill a tank. I guess. I guess in the sense, I guess it makes sense to bring anti-tank weaponry if you're fighting the tank that is Kazuma Kiryu. I mean, we're talking about a guy who casually uh, uppercutted two tigers. Yeah, we are. So is that more impressive or is like fighting like uh, 200 armed dudes at the same time more impressive? I'm not sure. So because in every in every media that exists where someone fights a lot of people and they're all armed for whatever reason, they almost always just kind of casually wait for the the people that you're currently fighting to stop instead of just, you know, using their weapons the way that you would use your weapons. Yeah. <laughs> you say like it's it's like 200 guys at a time, but it's really in sets of 3 or 4. Right. Yeah. Cuz everyone else is like, "Well, we got to wait our turn." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he hasn't beat those guys yet. It's only polite. 
but, but no, that was awesome. And then and then doing it with Saijima as well, because they're like, well, we can't let Kiryu be the only cool person. <laughs> How did you feel about Saijima's whole like prison break segment? I mean, it was fine. The the whole doing visualization thing was goofy and, and felt very yakuza mm. Uh I think that the Saijima as a character is super duper flawed anyways because he's like this big brooding guy that killed 18 people, but he didn't because rubber bullets. Yeah. Like the whole the whole rubber bullet thing kind of ruined his character. <laughs> it kind <laughs> of does. Like it's, it's sort it's of absolute cowardice. It, yeah, it completely throws away him his entire character to me because he's supposed to be like this. Yes, I'm in prison for doing all this bad stuff and I understand the woes of doing it. And that's like well, you didn't do anything. <laughs> Like, yeah, it's, sure, you thought you killed them, but you didn't. It's like, so, but I mm-hmm. intended to kill them, and that's just as bad. Yeah, and, and sure. also, they were actually dead by the end of it. <laughs> right, yeah. But it's like, it's like innocent on a technicality, and it's like, Saijima in 4 was so interesting right up until the point that you find out that he didn't do it. Yeah, r- rubber bolts ruined the not ruined but really kind of dis- nah, maybe maybe ruined uh that, Saijima like, as a character i am like i was shook to my core by that scene when he's in the underground coliseum oh um, yeah he's in the underground coliseum and like it's a it's a death match right and he wins and everyone's like kill him kill him and then he gives this whole like he gives this whole like tearful speech and his voice starts breaking (laughs) and he's like you assholes don't know what it's like to kill someone it's fucking terrifying you should be ashamed of yourselves you don't know what you're saying this like and and neither do i (laughs) this message well at the the time he's carrying the guilt of that right I i know and that's really interesting and then the writers were cowards and decided that like, if he had actually killed all those people, then he wouldn't be redeemable as a character. So they had to, like, finagle a way to make it so that he didn't do it. I guess Yakuza 4 spoilers? I mean, It's a yeah. little late now. Sorry about that. I, 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 I technically yeah. kind of five spoilers, too. It's but. A, I mean, all of Yakuza is one of those games that you can be spoiled on a lot of major story beats and it won't matter. Because that's I, there's, that's kind of true. There's still a lot more stuff happening. And we just said his story spoilers suck, so don't feel bad. That's also true. <laughs> I'm going to drop this story spoiler right now for like, we're going to just openly spoil the entire Yakuza series as Tom goes through it um, and probably forget to drop spoiler warnings. So just like if we start talking about Yakuza, we're going to and you haven't played the game and you don't want to be spoiled. Just just like skip forward a bit. Yeah, because yeah, that's just, fair. We're we're not going to, you know, we're going to talk about it. Also, these games are like 15 years old, so it's fine. <laughs> it's it's one of, it's weird to talk about age as a reason why you wouldn't want something spoiled. I know. We actively play video games from from uh, pre- previous years. Oh, <laughs> uh, this game's old. No one's going to play this. Who anyway, cares about this game? <laughs> welcome to the retro breakdown. <laughs> Uh, so I think you should play Sea of Stars maybe on stream. Okay. I I, I was would considering say it anyway, but like, I would say it's worth it. Okay. The I I, I so you. I I played through it. 
got all the did everything you can do in the game i even went back for one of the trophies because like well i need this one trophy and it's stupid and you're not going to do it because you have to do a a thing that you're not going to want to do um yeah, fair but the 99 percent of everything else you do is just part of like a chrono trigger you want to see everything experience mm-hmm. yeah and i think you'll really enjoy this as a stream game you'll, like like i guess there's a lot of reading because it's not voice acted but that That's you can fine. decide how you want to do that it's fine give you know get, get jesse in on it you can each do voices it'll be fun it's not disco elysium right no there's not no, a God, billion no. words in it there are sometimes some moments where people say more than they need to say but it's usually well done <laughs> That's fine. this is fine it's, i'm it's excited really good. about it i was excited about it when i first heard that like the people who made the messenger are gonna make an rpg that's you know, sort of a love letter to Chrono Trigger. I was like, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. Say, say less. Yep. Yeah, that's that's that would be my feeling about it is I don't want to talk about it anymore, but I think that you'll have fun playing it. Yeah. With a with a group of people uh, kind of watching along. I started Oracle of Ages or I start, uh, Oracle of Seasons, rather, as you know, you did start Oracle of Ages. You also finished it. I did. Uh, I started Seasons yesterday, um, dating the episode. Yeah, and Elden Ring. Oh, I yeah. have How's a lot going? of Elden Ring left, but it's starting really? to feel like I have a general idea of how much Elden Ring I have left. Okay, for like the first time, because you know how games like this go when they're real, like really, really big and open, and you're like, you don't know how much further the map is going to expand. You don't know, or you you beat a boss, and it seems like an important boss, but you don't know if there's three of them or fifty. Yeah. Right. Um, And you like it's just the overall structure of the game is kind of a mystery to you. Sure. So you have no idea how far into it you are. You're just kind of like exploring outwards and seeing how things go. Mm -hmm. So I'm I feel like I'm somewhat through that section and I have a general idea of like how much game I think is probably left. With the caveat that um, there's it'll probably be more than I think, because I imagine they'll probably like throw some some twists and turns and some new areas that I'm not expecting. And, you know, once you beat all of the the bosses that it tells you you have to beat, it just kind of opens up like hey, here's this some more. new set of things that you have to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. How, how are you? Are you enjoying it? Oh, it's great. OK. It's great. It's a it's a very, very natural evolution of the Soulsborne formula. Um, Is it how you would like to see future like Dark Souls, Demon Souls sort of experiences or do you prefer the like the last open world? I don't know the the open. I still in general don't prefer an open world experience. Right. Um. Having said that, this one absolutely does do it very well Um, in the same way that in a similar way that Yakuza does open world really well, but completely different in in (laughs) it it, like completely different in scope. (laughs) Yeah, just a little (laughs) in the sense that like it's a it's a big open world, but the world is dense. Okay. So you can't go very far without running into something to do. That, yeah, okay, that, that's, that's fair, that's fair. Which is really impressive because the map is really, really big. 
So the fact that they're able to like fill it with stuff where you can just kind of like trip over a cave or a catacomb to explore just accidentally as you're going down the road or here's a little here's a little like burned out village to explore. Here's a little abandoned encampment to clear. Um, There's stuff like that just kind of all over the place. And the map is really, really good. Hmm, That's nice. Um, In the sense that like it doesn't mark where everything is like an Ubisoft map. So it's not like this big cluttered nonsense of like markers. Sure. And like 50 different types of icons to show you all these like repetitive submissions that you can do. But it will show you features. It'll show like you can zoom in on the map and you can see the map and you can see little things marked. You can see a building that looks kind of strange or you can see like a little outcropping of rocks. And it's like, why are those in that shape? Why? Why does that look like that? Is that a cave I can go into? Is there something special over there? Is there is there this? Is there that? It sparks curiosity Mm -hmm. and then it makes you look at that and want to put like a pin down on that and be like, I want to see what's over there. Hmm, That's awesome. Because there's nothing on the map that says what it is. You just look at the map and you're like, hey, what is that? I want to go see what that is. And you go there and you're rewarded for it every time. Well, that's that's something that you love the most about. Like if the idea of an open world game, which you like the, the the best is the possibility of finding something just for the sake of it after exploring for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's one nice. of the things I like. Weirdly enough, I talk about that with Super Mario Odyssey. Yeah, we've that's what I was going to say. We've talked about that on here a couple times. That's Where, what we like, liked about it. The game does a really good job of kind of like sparking your curiosity and then rewarding you for it. Mm-hmm. Like by like that, this like. This tendency to, like, get distracted, right? Like, you're on you're on your mission thing, but like, hey, what's that over there? That looks kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Let me, let's yeah. check and see what's around this corner. I want to see if I can walk over here. I want to see if I can, you know, what happens if I hit this? Just little stuff like that. And like it all it all leads to something. It all leads to something. Yeah. Now, it's a Souls it's a Souls game, so like a lot of it is leading to like items or weapons that don't fit my build, so they're not actually useful to me. But but, but when they are, it's very exciting. <laughs> it's very exciting when they are, and even if they're not, it's like, well, at least I got the experience of going through here and there was something to get at the end of it. True. And there were, you know, there were enemies to fight on the way and there was, you know, I had a fun time getting to this point. So yeah, it's it's good. It's, I I don't think I have anything to say about it that hasn't already been said because I'm so late to the party on it. But yeah, the, the hype is you, the hype is real. It's a good if you like a Souls game, it is a very natural elevation of that concept. Does it have a favorite spiky character in it? <laughs> oh, I feel like it probably does, but I can't think of one right now. I'm going to have to think on that. <laughs> OK. But in terms of our uh, favorite spiky characters, did we already do Phoenix Wright versus Sonic? Yeah, I think we said Phoenix Wright. Damn, I really I talked you into that, huh? I think we decided. I don't remember why. I think we were talking about the spikiness of it, where Phoenix Wright's hair, because we were you were you were kind of you were going to say, well, maybe Sonic's all right. Then I then I had to stop because I thought about the fact that we're it's supposed to be the spiky hair aspect of it. And Phoenix Wright's hair is way cooler in the spikiness scale than Sonic's. I mean, yeah, I think it really is just what character do you like better? Nope. We will we will we will argue 
not argue. We we have to we always have to add more to it than what was given. <laughs> that's true. We do have to add our own context. And then Swoggles has to come back and be like, that's not no. what I said. And that's we're like, not, no, it's that's, that's what, what you we're meant. doing. <laughs> this is what you meant. <laughs> Let's take a break and then litigate Vegeta versus Cloud. Anyway, cue the music. Vegeta versus Cloud. What do you got? Man. Yeah, this is this is this is a tough one. This is probably we're probably determining the winner here. Yeah, I don't remember remember who's left. Um, oh, Phoenix, Phoenix right. Yeah, on the other side. This is the this is the semifinal. This is a smaller bracket than last time. It's a it's an eight character bracket instead of a sixteen. So we're in the semis. Who takes on Phoenix right and probably wins? So I guess this is technically the finals. It's kind of fun because both of these characters became like important to me at the almost the same time. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Big late '90s energy from both of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think ultimately I'd have to go with Cloud today. I think Cloud's more relevant today. Because well. And because Vegeta's not as interesting to me as he once was. Like, I really like Vegeta, and I still think he's cool. But he's not, like, my favorite Dragon Ball character anymore. Whereas he was before. And I, But I still love... I mean, Cloud's not my favorite Final Fantasy VII character, even. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. If we were going to decide it on something arbitrary, like the color of their clothing, it would be Vegeta. Because <laughs> I, like, I like blue. <laughs> if you really think about it... <laughs> They wear fairly similar gear. Yeah, they kind of do. <laughs> like, it's not one-to-one, but there's, like, there's definitely influences in there. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I am unfamiliar with some of the more recent character development that either of these characters have gotten. Okay. So I really kind of have to just base it on, for me, what I thought about those characters in the 90s. That's a good way of thinking about it. And that's also weird because, okay, so if we're talking about like original FF7 Cloud, like their, their original like 90s like interpretations, I thought that Cloud was cool and that Vegeta was a big, loud, braggadocious loser. Mm-hmm. And now I look back and I'm like, Vegeta is a complex character who's kind of like overcoming some of his own self-loathing to become a, a, a deep person and a really good dad. And like <laughs> a and like a genuinely caring person who has to go through a lot of change. And... Cloud, Cloud has, is kind of just a broody one-liner machine. <laughs> but but he has to go through a whole bunch of emotional baggage and understanding, too. Like, his character is actually fairly... There's a lot going on for him as a character. Yeah. Too. I, you know, it's it's funny because my perception of Vegeta, if we're going to go back to when we first thought about the character, and I had mentioned this before, is that I didn't watch the first two seasons of Dragon Ball Z until after the Frieza saga. So I my introduction to Vegeta was him being... It was already at the point where he was like starting to realize his flaws or whatever, or like how he was always kind of under the thumb of Frieza and stuff, right? Like that whole part where he's all emotional and sad and stuff. Yeah. So I didn't really experience him being such a, you know, a jerk in the oh, beginning. Oh, I'll do you one better. 
I picked it up at the Cell Saga. Uh, okay, so yeah, that's even further along then. Yeah, at which point he's already coming to grips with kind of like being one of the good guys, but sort of re- like reluctant anti-hero style mm-hmm. and also is apparently a dad. <laughs> so think... that stuff all came up and then later they kind of like, you know, on Adult Swim or Toonami or wherever it was airing at the time. Um, eventually, after going through that sequence a couple of times, they went back to the beginning and started airing from the from the first uh, from the first arc. And I was introduced to Vegeta the villain. And I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know he was like this. Mm, OK, yeah, yeah. Which is a weird way to be introduced to Vegeta. It is. Yeah. To 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 see him in the middle of the whole series versus the beginning. Yeah, I think I think I probably in this instance, I'd lean towards cloud. OK, I I would lean slightly in the direction of Vegeta, but I, I don't, don't feel strongly enough about that. Yeah, I don't either. I really argue. This is this is the worst. This is the worst um, (laughs) bracket because I don't. hmm, How do I? I guess I don't care. I like both of them, so I'd be happy to see both of them win. I don't think of one as way better than the other, or have like some great argument as to why this one should move forward or not. You know what Vegeta would hate the most? What a tie! Yeah. That's true. No winners. What? Maybe we should just let it tie. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's the end. The bracket's it would make over. Him so, you know what? It would just drive him to get better. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so it's a tie between them. But then Vegeta eventually wins because he's driven to improve by the by the embarrassment of of ending in a tie. <laughs> Yeah, Cloud doesn't ever actually get better, it feels like. <laughs> I mean, like, not at fighting. As a character, he does. That's what I, that's what I mean, as a character. Like, yeah. I mean, as as like a... Uh, in terms of strength. <laughs> he learns he, Omni Slash, but that's just because he gets a new weapon. Sure, well, yeah, he either learns it because you, you did stuff in the battle arena, or he just gets it handed to him because of sort of, you know, the in, in much, in much the same... It's kind of funny to think about that, actually. If, like, the moves are sort of, like, inherent to, like, the weapon he's holding. So he's not really doing it. It's just kind of, like, the weapon doing its special move. <laughs> and for Omni Slash, it's just kind of, like, yanking him around with it. Like, oh, God! <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, <laughs> I like that idea, but he doesn't actually learn Omni Slash from a weapon. Oh, am I thinking of 8 where that happens? Yes, eight. Is it, is it eight where you get the new uh, the weapon the new limit breaks from yeah. the from the weapons? Yeah, you oh you get the magazines and stuff. Which it's been a minute. Being at eight is even better <laughs> because picturing have that having to squall is even oh, stupider. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's way dumber. <laughs> you know what else is dumb is how uh, Lionheart is just Omni Slash. Yeah, well, it's also it's dumb that you can't pick move. it. And you can't, like, decide which one you want to use. It's like, oh, you've learned all of these? How about we pick one at random? Sweet. Oh, I forgot about how stupid that is. Thanks, that's a great idea, Final Fantasy VIII. You'd... Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, <laughs> man. Well, to be fair, isn't Tifa's Limit Break decided by a slot machine? Like, a literal slot machine? Yeah. I guess you can get good at selecting at them. the reels. Because I was okay at getting to the, the 
dolphin punch or whatever it was called, dolphin uppercut or something. But it was because I did one play. I was like, well, I got to use Tifa. But then, then man, that that was a terrible. I don't like. I I don't mind her as a character, but I don't like playing as her because her love break sucks. When I was um when I was younger, I kind of like deep down, I kind of felt the same way, but then didn't care because I liked her, so I just used her anyway. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah, yeah, I, no, liked, I don't disagree. I liked using the characters whose limit breaks could hit multiple times because that seems the most powerful to me. So like like that you know Omni Slash can hit a whole bunch or yeah. um uh, uh Barrett's what's it, Unger Max or something like that. <laughs> oh geez, I don't even know. <laughs> the that those those are those are fun. But yeah, so I don't know. Vegeta can power up and win. I suppose that's fine with me. <laughs> yeah, let's say that like we're calling it a tie. But then, like, years down the road, Vegeta will call a rematch and he'll have come out of the hyperbolic time chamber and then he'll win later. Who has better spiky hair? Who has better spiky hair? Phoenix. No, no, between Vegeta and Cloud. No, I'm saying, like, because we basically called it, like, whoever wins this wins the whole bracket because they're not beating Phoenix. But if we base it just on the spiky hair, Phoenix has the best hair in the bracket. Easy. I think so, too, because Vegeta's spiky hair is not even that... I mean, it's goofy. It's iconic, but it's like, you know, just kind of. It's not a type of hair that a person can have. <laughs> Frankly, honestly, neither is Phoenix's. I don't know a Phoenix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cloud's look can be achieved because it's just like it, it spikes up, but it looks like regular hair. Well, OK, I'm looking at him in the uh, bracket and it's the it's the remake version. I was going to say we, we base it realistic. off. Right. Original like Sprite. Cloud is equally ridiculous, but honestly, I think I think Cloud takes it in either case (laughs) on account of the fact that um, his newer hair looks more stylish and his older hair looks like way more ridiculous. Did, Did you ever see the AI art that was floating around? I wonder if I have a picture of it somewhere where it was they asked AI to draw an image of cloud from final fantasy 7 and they they the ai drew a big fluffy cloud but put cloud's hair on top of it yes i did see that i did see that i know exactly what you're talking about i, I love that thanks ai art <laughs> all right that wraps that up which is nice because swoggles just sent me a new bracket yesterday so Good. we'll get into that next week yeah i don't so wait so who won the whole thing then excellent What's next? <laughs> I literally don't even know. Perfect. Let's not make the decision. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you all decide. Email us at theretrobreakdown at gmail.com, which is a place where you can send us messages. And I always forget to tell you, you can do it and yeah. tell us how stupid we are for not making a decision here and what your decision is. Mm-hmm. Who wins the spiky hair challenge between Vegeta and Cloud, and do they beat Phoenix right? Yeah, this I isn't can't. a cop out at all. Nope. No, this was on purpose. Yep, we planned it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How'd you like N and Angel? I, I had fun. I liked it's it. Fun, I don't know, right? Yeah, I mean, so it's it's. I started and I was sort of you know. Eh. It was it was weird at first. I didn't not weird in a bad way, but kind of like mm, I I like the idea of puzzle games most of the times, but sure. I I'm not particularly 
involved with them to the point where I of want course. to like have my brain start to see the patterns, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. Except for Tetris. I like Tetris. Well, but, yeah. Tetris uh, is Tetris is a classic because like anybody can do that though. Yeah. And the this game at first is like, wow, this is so hard. I can't see anything. I, it's so hard for me to understand the patterns. And I was like, oh, as I started to realize you can slow down and fast forward, mm-hmm. then it became. Yeah, that helps a lot. Yeah, I made it so much easier because then I could just sort of pick where I wanted to go but with only looking at two of the, the rings as yep. opposed to all of the rings. Because the whole thing's, you know, there's four rings and they are rotating and you're moving along them and you can move the ones that you're not on at a faster or slower pace mm-hmm. to get you to where you want to like to, to help bump into the enemies that are rotating around also. Yeah. Uh, and then when I realized you can't die, it became a lot more chill. Like, I suppose you can die, but you it doesn't... can die. Um, but it doesn't really happen very often in the early stages. Yeah. Um, I mean, someone would have to like bump you off the rings, basically. Uh, later on they introduce stuff that absolutely kills you and some stuff that doesn't kill you but it resets the stage anyway like getting sucked into a black hole yeah well that was a fun yeah but so even even when you die it just you just start again right on that yeah there's unlimited continues so there's really no risk i guess that's what i meant in terms of death like there was no penalty other than oh whoops i gotta try again yeah yeah totally and then that made it way more fun. And then I actually was pretty good at it because I could I, I got through the first two worlds in like an hour and nice. I was going to stop after the first world. And then I'll just do one more stage, just a little more. And then 15 stages later, I was like, well, what the heck? I <laughs> I finished the, the world. That was fun. Yeah. And then I was going to start the third one, but I had an errand to run. So I went and did that and then didn't go back and play it. That's so completely I, fair. Uh, it does add, it does do a good job of adding like the gameplay doesn't change. It doesn't add more rings. It doesn't add more like functionality or anything. What it does add is new enemy types. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes they're very confusing because the plant one did. T- that was that was of the first world. The plant enemy took me a while to figure out how to kill because like it's just eating me. I thought yeah. I had to run into it from the side. And then I was it turns out you just have to have the arrow that will bump you into it. Yep. It's got to be close enough, but far enough. Yep, yep. It helps so, if you, uh, it helps to fast forward too, because you can yeah. actually like get there and it can't react in time. Yeah, that's, well, that's what I was trying at first was to like fly into the side of it, but that didn't work. Yeah, some of the, so like basically every enemy can be defeated. And yeah, when you start out, like there's two ways to clear a stage. One is to just like Hubert your way on all of the along all of the uh, the panels and turn them all like a different color. So mm-hmm. you've walked on like every panel on the stage, which oh, wait, takes that works a while, on... but it's fun. Does that work on all the stages? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I thought there was that only was the, the boss only stages. way that I knew how to clear stages when I was doing it for the for the Kuso match. For like the first two or three stages, I accidentally found out that you could bump a character or bump an enemy off the off the grid and it would just clear the stage. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to do that. Uh, I didn't even realize that because the boss took me the longest. The the boss, um, the first boss took about. Well, I don't want to say the longest because the flower actually took me longer to figure out. Yeah, <laughs> but the. I didn't realize that I was like, how do I kill this boss? I, th- I thought it was just going to be like a survival thing. So I was just hanging mm-hmm. out for a while. And then uh, five or six minutes went by. I was like, this does not make any sense. And then I didn't, then I realized, oh, the panels are lighting up. But I didn't realize the panels were lighting up because I was just kind of 
going really slow because if it was a survival thing, it'd be faster. It'd be easier just to sit where you're at and dodge the yeah the little yeah, bombs yeah. that fall down. So I didn't realize that the panels were lighting up, and then then ah okay, that's what you're supposed to do. And that's like, oh, that's super cool. interesting, actually. What a cool mechanic. <laughs> that's really interesting that we came to that in op- in like the opposite order. <laughs> yeah. Like, you learned how to defeat the enemies first, and I learned how to light up all the panels first. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. They're both equally viable. You can clear every stage by doing either or. So how do we visually, or how do we explain what this is? Because it's a very, we're, we're, we've talked about it, but people that are listening that don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, that's like, a good I don't point. It's not like it's a on. well-known game. <laughs> um, so N and Angel is a PS1, I'm going to call it a puzzle game. Um... And it involves you, you control a character who kind of like auto walks along a path. And it's, if you want a visual, it's very similar to the Paper Mario Origami King ring battles. Yeah. Where you're basically just walking along a ring and there are panels that will send you to inner or outer rings. Um, there's Like four, there's arrows. Yeah, there's arrows that like point one direction or another. And they push you inward or outward. And you can't like jump over them. You have to if you yeah. if your character comes in, like if it's in front of you, you have to walk on it. Basically. Yeah, there's no there's no jump. You're you're walking consistently. So like really the only controls you have are to spin the rings, either the one that you're on or the other ones. And really, if you spin the one you're on, it just kind of visually looks like you're spinning all three of the rest of them. Yeah, that's true. Um. But yeah, you can you can spin them to line up those panels differently so that you can, you know, either there's other enemies that are walking around or or sitting static on different panels that you can. If you hit one of those arrows and it bumps you to another ring and you kind of like, you know, sideswipe them, you kind of like hip check. Yep. The uh, the enemy on that other ring, it will. Well, it depends on it. It will either just defeat them and knock them off the ring entirely, or it will bump them into another ring. A lot of the enemies in later, um, in later stages, you got to like bump them out. Yeah. You have to actually like bump them off one of the, the far rings. And some of them are even more obscure. So you can clear a stage by either, uh, bumping all of the enemies off the ring and defeating them all. At which point the stage completes immediately. Or you can just cubert your way around all of the panels on the ring because they're kind of all like divided up into little pie slices. Not quite pie slices. More like a- well, it's they're broken up by the arrows, right? Yeah. So so you have to like, you know, t- to touch all of the, the non or like all the blank spaces, you have to move around the, the chunks. Right. In You'll have like arrows. three panels and then an arrow that pushes you over to another ring. So what you yeah. want to do is you want to like you want to like move that other ring so that like you're hitting that because you can't stop going like hitting that arrow and going into that other panel yeah you can just slow it down a bit so then you can set up so like you know your arrow pushes you down one but then you have that ring set up so that you're gonna walk on those panels yeah you're gonna walk on those panels you know straight through (laughs) and then you know and then the next panel that you run into is either gonna be a, a left or right or an up or down arrow Um, whichever you want to do. And yeah, if you're able to kind of puzzle your way around the whole ring and light up all the panels again, basically Qbert, Mm -hmm. um, then you can clear the stage that way as well. 
Um, and there's just like 90 stages that are just that. There are other enemies on there. Most of them don't actively damage you. They might just bump you. Hell, sometimes they might even kill their friends. That was the funniest shit that yeah. happened to me. Where I got thrown into the air and then I landed on top of another one and just squished it. Did you get, uh, I forget, <laughs> does stage two have the, the black hole? Yeah. or it was, I don't know if it's stage two or the end of stage one, but it definitely has the black hole where it's like a, a, a thing that's just sucking in stuff. And I was like, oh, okay. And I got sucked into it. Then I was like, oh, okay. That, yeah. That's not great. But then I pushed an enemy to get sucked into it. I was like, that must be how you end the stage. It is. <laughs> It defeats the enemy and the black hole. Yep. But it's just hungry. I didn't realize that at the time. So I just cleared the stage by hitting all of the panels and then like hitting the last two panels next to the black hole and then getting sucked into the black hole anyway, which sent me to a bonus stage. Oh, what? There's a like if you clear all the panels and then get sucked into a thing after like after clearing the stage. It sends you to a bonus, it, like it clears the level and it sends you to a bonus stage where it's just like another ring, but every single panel has like stars on it. Oh my God, that's so cool. Or like, they're not stars, they're like those like weird Magatama. Yes, things. yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, the nines. <laughs> the nines, yes, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, it, that's like kind of the whole game, but... It's really fun, and they do manage to add a lot of variety and difficulty. The last couple of the last couple stages are no joke. Yeah, um, I could see where you would where it would start to hurt your brain again, because like the first two like the second world, I blitzed through that so fast. Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. because it did the the difficulty change from one to two is not really there, and you sort of understand how the game works at that yep. point, so you can go really quick. Totally. So I could yeah, see. Yeah, I had, I had a very they... similar experience where, like, in stage two, I was just like, I was just going. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like stages five and six, there's a lot more enemies and they do a lot worse things to you. <laughs> um, like at, at some point there is just, there is just a bomber plane that goes through on a straight line and just carpet bombs, like a line of things. And you just have to like not be in its line of sight. It's kind of like the boss for world two. I mean, except that they don't, even if they hit you, it doesn't end you. Like yeah, the, no, these the drill bees. Yeah. So, like, as you get further in, there's a lot more enemies that will actually kill you mm -hmm. or end your run or, or whatever. And there's a lot more of them. That makes and sense. They, some of them have to hit you with a specific thing. Uh, very, very few enemies in this game have touch of death, which is great because you can't control where you're walking. Yeah, that was smart. That would have been really bad design if if it wasn't like that. Um, Some of them, like. So there are enemies that don't hurt you, but they're just trampolines, but they are classed as enemies and you do have to defeat them. And those were some of the stages where I was like, well, I can't defeat these. So I'm just going to have to go around the board and, and hit all the panels because I don't know what else to do. And I found out after the match um, that the way you're supposed to defeat those and this kind of goes into like. Something I'd say is kind of a flaw of the game is like some of what you have to do for this is not intuitive or natural at all to <laughs> yeah. defeat these enemies or to clear this. Um, so you have to um, you have to jump on the trampoline and then spin the ring around because you'll just jump straight up in the air and come back down. So you have to spin the ring that you're on around so that you land on the complete opposite side of it. 
And then it like kind of it kind of like seesaw catapults the the trampoline off the stage. <laughs> like the whole like there's a little there's a little bit where it like the ring kind of like flips up because you like hit the other side at full speed and it'll just catapult uh, whatever's on that side off of the off the screen. OK, and it's like I would have never known to do that like ever, ever. Uh, the the bomber plane can be defeated, but you have to have something launch you up into the air. And you have to basically like jump on the bomber oh, plane, which is really hard to line. That up. would be so hard to 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 see happening just because of the like the 3Dness of the stage on the 2Dness of the what you're yeah. kind of well, playing and, on. And it only goes through on like the same line, so you have to just already be lined up with it, which right. you're almost always not. Um geez, what else? The the later boss fights are really cool. Um so, like, I don't imagine you're going to play any more of it. So, like, the last two boss fights are basically matches against, like, other... I don't know anything about the story of this game. The game is in Japanese. It has a story. I don't know what it is. It doesn't matter. It's just a fun game to play. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to say other NN Angels. Other Angels, let's say. Okay. Um, and they're, like, walking around on the stage the same as you. And these one, like, it's basically like five against one (laughs) where they're all walking around and you have to, like, bump all of them off of the stage before they bump you off of the stage. Oh, my God, that's great. And what's really fun is there is one who is, like, way bigger than the rest. And he actually does have touch of death. Ah, He's slow. So he's easier to avoid. But he does have touch of death, so you can't hit him or he will like blast you off like Team Rocket where you become like a little twinkling star. Like uh, like if you got smashed in, if you got smashed off the stage upwards in Smash Brothers and you kind of go off to space like a shooting star and then there's the twinkle. Yeah. Yeah, you get that. (laughs) And you become like a shooting star. Which I thought was really funny because that's sort of like a non-standard death or game over or whatever. I'm like, ah, that's cute. <laughs> Is what I thought. Oh. Until stage six or like the, the boss of world six, which is that again, but with a big giant like Kirby monster version of the angel just kind of like sitting in the background. Okay. And you actually have to have the other angels like team rocket you off into the background to hit him in the forehead. Oh, my God. And then you bounce back up onto the ring. What? And then once you you do it once, basically just to show that that's what's happening. And then he starts like sliding left to right. So you have to actually like line up the timing so you can actually hit him because if he's if he's too far to the left or right you will just go out into space. Oh my god, that's that's awesome and stupid. So you have to line it up so you like actually hit him and then once you hit him a certain cu- a certain number of times, he starts taking rings away from the stage. What? The entire game is on that four ring structure. Yeah. And this is the first time that he starts taking rings away. And guess what? The arrows don't change direction. So from that point forward, you just kind of have to avoid 
the ring, you have to just avoid the arrows that will point you into like the inner ring, but the inner ring's not there. So you'll just fall off the stage. It is so hard. It is so that much to think about. Super hard. By the end of it, you're just working with the outer two rings. That's and still wild. trying to manage that and still trying to time it because every attack opportunity you have could potentially be your death if you don't time it properly. <laughs> it's really, really smart, but it's really hard. <laughs> I love that. But that's like. I wanted to bring that up because it kind of goes to show this is like this one of those puzzle games where the core of what they're asking you to do is super simple. Mm -hmm. It like it there's it doesn't seem like there's that much to it, but they really managed to add. It's a lot of fun just to do what they're asking you to do and to figure out how to like deal with these new problems. And they add a lot of new depth just with the enemy types without changing the structure of the board really at all. Um, you know, the, the arrows will show up in different spots, but like, other than that, you've got, you've got a board with panels that you light up and then you've got a, you've got up and down arrows that send you to the inner or outer rings and you walk automatically and you can walk faster or really importantly, um, it, it's super important that you have basically a break. Yeah. Okay, I've, I that that is what changed it for me when I realized I had a break, because then even just in worlds one and two, not because you need them to finish them, but because it makes it so much easier to see what's going on. Yeah. For us, for your brain to kind of like adjust for a second. Yeah. Yeah. And it's super important, especially in the early stages that the enemies don't actually hurt you. Yeah. So, yep. Yep. Because what you can do then is you can just kind of sit there with your break on and just like. It's not even a break. It's a slow reverse, which is also helpful if you like, you know, in those moments where you kind of get sent into the uh, you get sent into another ring and you kind of like just barely miss the panel behind you. And you're like, ah, damn it, I don't want to do another whole loop to get back to that. So you just kind of hold down the reverse button and it's like a very slow backup. But you will go back a couple of steps and you can light up that panel if you want to. But the most important thing it does is just give you time. It gives you time to see where you are, where the arrows are, where the enemies are. And you can, you know, you can just kind of hold it down and give yourself some space and spin those rings around yep. to line up your next move. It's like it's it's like if you were playing like Tetris or Dr. Mario or something and you weren't sure what you were going to do with a piece. So you could just kind of like hold it at the top for a minute and think about it. Yeah, it's it, it helped a lot. It, it really Without that, I would not have enjoyed the game as much. Yeah, I don't think the game would be good without that. And it's, it's it would be more like finger flashing, which is the game I played before that gives you no time to think about anything at all. Oh, yeah, you're right. You just got to go. You just go like it's auto scrolling. And this is ultimately auto scrolling, except that you can stop the scrolling. Yeah. But like in finger flashing, you're auto scrolling. And if you do reasonably well, you're scrolling faster. I was I was surprised that I liked it. Like I, that I had as much to be fun. Honest, I'm kind it. of also surprised that you liked it. <laughs> I, I and I say that as the person who's like, hey, maybe you should play this. It's actually pretty good. I was like, I bet he probably won't really take to it and he'll say it's whatever. No, I had I had I had fun. I, I didn't at first I was like, nah, I don't really care about this that much. I enjoyed the the goofy 
like the Japanese-ness of it was enjoyable to me. It just is definitely I, I like, very Japanese. I like that that feeling, especially mm-hmm. from older games. Yeah. Um, but the first few stages, I was like, mm, no. But then as it started to click, I was like, oh, no, I like this. And then, like I said, I kept playing. I mean, I only played it for like an hour, but still. Still. That's, that's the, the when when you had intended to play just a little bit to kind of get a feel for it so then uh-huh. I could talk about it. And then to go into, well, actually, I'm having a lot of fun with this. I would play more. Yeah, I'm surprised you went into World 2, honestly. Yeah, and finished it. And and that the, the I, I was, that's, so what was fun about finishing World 2 is I realized, oh, the bosses are cool. I yeah, bet the, the bosses, bosses are, are cool. I bet the bosses get better. They do get better. I, I wish uh, there was, you know, you should, you should have recorded yourself playing it and put it on YouTube because there is no, there is no, you know, all, all of the three people that would have searched for the full playthrough of this game would have gotten your views. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> I would like to see the other bosses, <laughs> but I don't there's, feel like playing it right now. <laughs> there's actually no long play. I don't think so. Eh, maybe like, I'll maybe I'll do it sometime. It's fun. <laughs> no, now, now I've created a task for you. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm wrong. There is there. Oh, you know what? I was putting spaces between the. Maybe this oh, is between the N and N. Yeah, I did N and yeah, I, I put N space N for audio for for people who are not looking at the title of the podcast and just listening on audio. I should specify if you do go looking for it. When I say N and angel, that is not N period N period. That is E N E N angel. Yes. Yeah, I thought and it's I thought all one were... word. So it's like N N. Yeah, for some reason, I thought it was spaced out. I think I did, too. Interesting. When I went looking for it. But this the, is so, this definitely has to this has to qualify as like one of the more obscure games we've played. Yeah, I mean, sure. we played like maybe not the most obscure because we played some like really wild stuff. But I had never heard of this game prior to you bringing it up. And I mean, I mean, that's not saying that much, but it's I've still been. Especially because it's like a Japanese-only video game. There's going to be thousands of Japanese-only video games that I've never heard of. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, the thing that really gets me, like, with I think finger flashing being, like, a literal, like, auto-scroller, rock-paper-scissors shoot-em-up. <laughs> yeah. Is, like, that's definitely one of the most unique ideas that I've, uh, that I've encountered. But... There, what really gets me when it comes to the world of like Japan only like PS1 games is like, boy, they just like made up their own genres. Uh, that, so that was what I was thinking about while watching this is, man, it's it's so fun to see games that were just made because somebody had a thought and they're like, let's do it. Yeah, let's it go doesn't ahead and do fit it. Any preconceived notion of what a game is. It's just it's just a weird activity that's fun. Yeah, because in the PS1, although arcades were fairly dead in, in the U.S. in terms of how big they were. I mean, they, they weren't dead like they were gone, but they weren't nearly not, as big. They weren't dead pole. like they are now. Right, right. No, but they, they were it was more about the home experience. Right. Yeah. Whereas in Japan, arcades were still a big deal in the in the, the 90s. And they, yeah. to some extent, are still a big deal now, yeah. but not nearly what they once were. No, so they're games like, suffering. So games like this were were still acceptable as a home console game right where we're, a lot of puzzle like a lot of games in that were brought over here to our market were more full-fledged games if you will whereas mm-hmm. this is like just such such a short it's like a pretty short experience and there's not a lot of 
it, it feels it could be an arcade game. Do you know what I right. mean? Yeah, like you absolutely. could absolutely see this as an arcade game. Totally. And well, there, I'm oh, not man, saying there I could any see of this with, as an arcade game with like an a actual really cool unique, controller. Yeah, a really unique control scheme where you have an actual like, actual rings that you're spinning. I, how freaking awesome would oh, that be? That'd be so cool. You have the four rings in front of you that you get to rotate yourself. Yeah, that would be. Oh man. <laughs> oh, that would be so rad. <laughs> and it could be. They'd be like the 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 buttons would appear on the thing that you're moving too. Like, so you could, like, move those if you, like, you know what I mean? Like, you could yeah. be looking at the ring itself, and it would yep. have the arrows light up. The- oh, my God. Oh, man. That's oh, never going to happen. That. But I really want to play that game. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> that would be so fun. <laughs> yeah, that's never happening. That's... Nope. That's... <laughs> it's, it's zero it's, chance. It's, it's simultaneous, this feeling of, like, elation and excitement and, oh, my God, mixed with, oh... Well, that's... I'm glad we came up with this thing that would be really exciting when it never happens. It'll be fun for 25 people. <laughs> <laughs> Much like this podcast. God damn, man. <laughs> I think we just ended the podcast. I think so, yeah. Maybe forever. <laughs> maybe, yeah, right, yeah, maybe. That's, bye. <laughs>